What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. From the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library in the wilds of Connecticut, this is Obscure, the podcast in which I read Jude the Obscure out loud and comment on it as I go. I am your host, your reader. I like to think I'm your friend, Michael Ian Black. God damn it. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to ignore it because I have this stupid landline and the only reason we have the landline, I don't even know why we have the landline. I've been begging for years to get rid of it. Something having to do with 911. We are those crusty elderly folk who do not understand the way the world works. And that, in a nutshell, is the problem with Jude. He, however, is young and he does not understand how the world works, but he is quickly learning. He is quickly learning that the, 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 his naivete is falling away from him like snakeskin after a winter. And in fact, it is winter in Wessex, the fictional county. It is winter there. Snow is on the ground. And Arabella and he have scheduled a pig killing. They've been raising this pig, right? And the pig is all things carnal, all things sensual. In a sense, it's also the baby that she pretended to have in her tum-tum. And now it is time to kill the pig, and the pig killer has not shown up. The butcher has not come because of the light dusting of snow, and Arabella thinks maybe he's drunk. So she's saying, you do it, Jude. You kill the pig. And Jude's saying, fine. And so Jude, when we last left, he said, uh, he said I'll do it, since it must be done. He went out to the sty shoveled away the snow for the space of a couple yards or more, and placed the stool in front with the knives and ropes at hand. A robin peered down at the preparations from the nearest tree, and not liking the sinister look of the scene, <laughs> flew away, though hungry. 
By this time, Arabella had joined her husband, and Jude, rope in hand, got into the sty and noosed the affrighted animal who, beginning with a squeak of surprise, rose to repeated cries of rage. Yeah, I would think so. They've been raising this pig since it was a piggyalit, and now they've been starving it for the last couple days to clear its intestines of shit for when the slaughter comes, and the animal has now become surprised and there is rage and Arabella opened the sty door and together they hoisted the victim onto the stool, legs upward. And while Jude held him, Arabella bound him down, looping the cords over his legs to keep him from struggling. The animal's note changed its quality. It was not now Rage, but the cry of despair, long-drawn, slow, and hopeless. Upon my soul, I would sooner have gone without the pig than have had this to do, said Jude, a creature I have fed with my own hands. Don't be such a tender-hearted fool. There's the sticking knife, the one with the point. Now, whatever you do, don't stick in too deep. I'll stick him effectually so as to make short work of it. That's the chief thing. Oh, meanwhile, they're talking about how the pig is on its back going, Jesus. And the pig is basically waiting to be slaughtered. And they're arguing. They're bickering, you know, about how to do it. Just don't be such a fool. I'll do it already. And the pig's going, uh, you know, the pig's miserable. You must not, she cried. The meat must be well bled, and to do that, he must die slow. Oh, my God. Oh. I mean, she isn't content to kill the pig quickly. It must die slow. And the pig, of course, is Jude himself. We shall lose a shilling a score if the meat is red and bloody. Just touch the vein, that's all. I was brought up to it, and I know every good butcher keeps on bleeding long. He ought to be eight or ten minutes dying at least. He shall not be half a minute if I can help it, however the meat may look, said Jude determinedly. So he's standing up for himself to Arabella, finally. Uh... When, it, when, it, when it's a question of his own heart, he cannot stand up to her. But when it is the heart of another living creature, he finds his spine, scraping the bristles from the pig's upturned throat as he had seen the butchers do. He slit the fat, then plunged in the knife with all his might. Ah, damn it all, she cried, that ever I should say it, you've overstuck in, and I telling you all the time, do be quiet, Arabella, and have a little pity on the creature. Hold up the pail to catch the blood and don't talk. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my wife and I were just on vacation, and uh, we took the kids to France. And we had our share of pork in France, that is certainly true. But it is funny how we've been married now for 20 years, and the way <laughs> Jude and Arabella bicker is 
essentially the same exact thing that my wife and I do. The difference is we've gotten good at sort of like having a little spat and getting over it. Like there's a spat where she calls me names. And then because I generally I'm innocent, I'm always I I say generally because I want to give her, you know, a little bit of credit, you know, but the fact of the matter is I'm always innocent in these matters. And she yells at me for whatever reason. And then uh, and then there's there's a few minutes of silence and then we pretend as if it never happened. Oh, did you see? Did you see the Eiffel Tower over there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that. The Eiffel Tower. I was thinking about getting gelato later. Yeah, gelato sounds good. And then we're and then we're back. You know, we just sort of let it go. Um, but these guys have met, been married for not very long at all, a couple months, and, and they're bickering, and they're bickering over life and death. Hold up the pail to catch the blood and don't talk, she says. <laughs> However unworkmanlike the deed, it had been mercifully done. The blood flowed out in a torrent instead of in the trickling stream she had desired. The dying animal's cry assumed its third and final tone, the shriek of agony. His glazing eyes riveting themselves on Arabella with the eloquently keen reproach of a creature recognizing at last the treachery of those who had seemed his only friends. Oh, okay, that's that's heavy. I'm not going to lie. That's heavy. And that's a bummer. And when I think about these sentient creatures, like pigs in particular, and cows and such, I think, how can I continue eating meat when, of course, these, these poor, poor creatures have feelings and they experience life and they want the preservation of life and then I think but hamburgers taste so good and so that is why I prefer the cold clinical grocery store aisle to getting my meat as opposed to stalking a creature and killing it in the hunt now uh, those advocates of hunting would point to my own uh, squeamishness and fear and say that, that that is a problem. And to them, I would say, I agree. Make and stop that, said Arabella. Such a noise will bring somebody or over other up here. And I don't want people to know we're doing it ourselves. I don't know why that would matter. Picking up the knife from the ground whereon Jude had flung it, she slipped it into the gash and slit the windpipe. The pig was instantly silent, his dying breath coming through the hole. That's better, she said. (laughs) She's the worst. She is the absolute worst. I mean, I get it. She grew up a pig farmer. I mean, I you know, this is business to her. But my God, she's just heartless. It's a hateful business, said he. Pigs must be killed. (laughs) <laughs> so this is the opposite of Animal Farm, which will come some years later when pigs are to be uh, preserved and risen above all the other animals. In Thomas Hardy's case, pre-Orwell, pigs must be killed. The animal heaved in a final convulsion, thank God, and despite the rope, 
kicked out with all his last strength. A tablespoon of black clot came forth, the trickling of red blood having ceased for some seconds. That's it. Now he'll go, said she. Artful creatures, they always keep back a drop like that as long as they can. <laughs> she's, saying, she's playing this pig. She's going, oh, pigs, you know. You slit their throats and they always hold back just a little bit of blood just to be dicks. That's what she's saying. The last plunge had come so unexpectedly as to make Jude stagger. And in recovering himself, he kicked over the vessel in which the blood had been caught. There, she cried thoroughly in a passion. Now I can't make any black pot. That's a waste all through you. Jude put the pail upright but only about a third of the whole steaming liquid was left in it, the main part being splashed over the snow and forming a dismal, sordid, ugly spectacle. To those who saw it as other than an ordinary obtaining of meat, the lips and nostrils of the animal turned livid, then white, and the muscles of his limbs relaxed. Thank God, Jude said. He's dead. What's God got to do with such a messy job as a pig killing, I should like to know, she said scornfully. Poor folks must live. I know, I know, he said. I don't scold you. Suddenly they became aware of a voice at hand. Well done, young married folk. I couldn't have carried out it much better myself. Cuss me if I could. The voice, which was husky. I don't know if I made it husky. Let me see if I can make it husky. Well done, young married Volk. That's husky. I couldn't have carried it out much better myself. Cuss me if I could. Now that's well, That was very good. That's a very good reading of Mr. Chalo, who I think it is. This, uh, the voice, which was husky, came from the garden gate and looking up from the scene of slaughter, they saw the burly form of Mr. Chalo leaning over the gate, critically surveying their performance. "'Tis well for ee to stand there and glain," said Arabella. "'Owing to your being late, the meat is bloodied and half-spoiled. "'Twon't fetch so much by a shilling a score.' Chalo expressed his contrition. You should have waited a bit, he said, shaking his head, and not have done this in the delicate state, too, that you be in at present, ma'am. The risking yourself too much. You needn't be concerned about that, said Arabella, laughing. Jude, too, laughed. But there was a strong flavor of bitterness in his amusement. Chalo made up for his neglect of the killing by zeal in the scalding and scraping. Jude felt dissatisfied with himself as a man at what he had done, though aware of his lack of common sense, and that the deed would have amounted to the same thing if carried out by deputy. The white snow, stained with the blood of his fellow mortal, wore an illogical look to him as a lover of justice, not to say a Christian. Oh, uh, yes, uh, as a lover of Christian, and then again, not to say a Christian. But he could not see how the matter was to be mended. No doubt he was, as his wife had called him, a tender-hearted fool.
it's interesting. Jude is now coming to question his own compassion as a lover of justice and as a Christian. First, he abandoned the book, the books themselves uh, that he was studying with to go to Christminster and uh, become the Pope, which, you know, that's kind of what he wanted. He wanted to be a bishop, you know, maybe. I mean, he didn't dare dream be a bishop or a cardinal, but let's just say he wanted to be the Pope. And so he was going to go to Christminster and get all popetized. And he abandoned the, the book learning for her. And now, perhaps, we're starting to see the first inklings, perhaps, I don't know, of him even coming to doubt Christianity itself as a lover of justice, not to say a Christian. He could not see how the matter was to be mended. We watched The Handmaid's Tale last night, episode four, season two, and, you know, uh, of Fred. I, if you haven't seen it, maybe well, I'll, I won't. I won't do any spoilers here. But uh, the main chick in it is, you know, it's this dystopian society where there's ladies who are made essentially to be uh, bred like pigs, uh, not for the purposes of slaughter, but to be, to, but to be, to carry babies uh, for people who can't have them. And and Elizabeth Moss is one of those, and she has rebelled against this. And then last night, in last night's episode, she blames herself for some circumstances over which she did indeed have some control. And almost in repentance now, or fully in repentance, she has now uh, not turned her back on the religion that she has been rebelling against, that is the dominant all-powerful religion in this town, but she is now embracing it as a form of repentance. And now we're seeing kind of the opposite thing, maybe starting to happen with Jude. I don't know. But he is questioning himself for being a tender-hearted fool. What has it gotten him so far? A fake baby and a dead pig. Let's take a break on Obscure. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure. 
how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Friends, things don't look so good right now for Jude and Arabella, and when we look back at their relationship so far, it's clear that they both got distracted, made poor decisions, which led to what we now see are some bad, bad mistakes. God, how I wish they had both been sleeping on a Lisa mattress. See, a quality night's sleep helps you avoid things like rushing into a marriage with the first person you have sex with or trying to entrap a man by getting knocked up. Lisa knows this because the Lisa mattress is the product of more than 30 years of experience in mattress engineering and hundreds of hours of testing comprised of three foam layers that provide cooling, pressure relief, body contouring, and support. The Lisa mattress is the best mattress at the best value. Over 300,000 happy Lisa sleepers agree the Lisa mattress gives them the rest they need. Order your Lisa, order your Lisa mattress online at lisa.com obscure and try it risk-free for 100 nights. It ships direct to your door in a convenient box with free shipping and free returns. And you can buy Lisa for a fraction of the cost of traditional mattresses. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. If only Jude and Arabella had started their sad, sad lives off sleeping on a Lisa, Jude would probably be teaching at the University of Christminster. And Arabella might be the president of the United States of America. Find the right mattress for you at lisa.com slash obscure. Don't miss Lisa's limited time Labor Day sale where you can get up to $235 off your Lisa mattress. When you go to lisa.com slash obscure, that's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash obscure. You're listening to Obscure, the podcast in which I read Jude the Obscure out loud and comment on it as I go. Why? I don't know. Back to the book. He did not like the road to Alfredston now. It stared him cynically in the face. Alfredston's where he works. The wayside objects reminded him so much of his courtship of his wife that to keep them out of his eyes, he read whenever he could as he walked to and from his work. Yet he sometimes felt that by caring for books, he was not escaping commonplace nor gaining rare ideas, every working man being of that taste now, when passing near the spot by the stream on which he had first made her acquaintance, he one day heard voices just as he had done at that earlier time. One of the girls who had been Arabella's companions was talking to a friend in a shed, himself being the subject of discourse. Well, of course. I mean, look, if you're going to overhear a conversation in a book, the conversation might as well be about you. (laughs) Himself being the subject of discourse, possibly because they had seen him in the distance. They were quite unaware that the shed walls were so thin that he could hear their words as he passed. Howsomever, twas I put her up to it. Nothing venture, nothing have, I said. If I hadn't, she'd no more have been his missus than I. And then a girl, another girl says, "'Tis my belief she knew there was nothing to the matter when she told them she was.'" 
what had Arabella been put up to by this woman, so that he should make her his missus, otherwise wife? The suggestion was horribly unpleasant, and it, oh, come on, Jude, don't be so stupid, you tender-hearted fool. She told you it was a mistake. She told you, oh, oh yeah, me being pregnant, that was a mistake. And you had shoved the notion of what that implied so far into the back of your brain. But you knew, Jude, you knew exactly what she meant when she said it. You just, like that snake skin, you're just clinging to it and it's just slowly sloughing off after the winter. The suggestion was horridly unpleasant and it rankled in his mind so much that instead of entering his own cottage when he reached it, he flung his basket inside the garden gate and passed on, determined to go and see his old aunt and get some supper there. Yeah, that should make everything better. Go see the woman who wants you dead. That should make you feel a little bit better. And he'll show up and she'll be like, oh, Jew, Jew, there you are. I was hoping you were out of my life forever. I haven't made a cake for you, Jude, because the way Wedding cake was the last thing I was ever planning to do for you because you've been a nuisance to me since you came after your parents died. I told you I wished you were dead. You married this stupid girl and now you're coming to me for some supper. No, thank you. I don't know if that's what she's going to say. Oh, it doesn't say. The next paragraph is, this made his arrival home rather late. So I guess he went to his aunt's and then they, they, they don't comment on that. The book does continue uh, with this bit about Arabella, however, and I feel like I might want to enlist some help with the dialogue here. And I haven't done this before, but, you know, heck, I haven't done a podcast in which I read Jude the Obscure as I go before either. And that has been a wild, 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 wild success. So I'm here in the studio with my dear friend, Kevin Allison, for my other podcast, How to Be Amazing. And you might know Kevin as the host of the Risk podcast. He's my dear friend, I met him when we were both teenagers working on the sketch comedy troupe, The State. And, you know, we ended up being uh, podcasters. Hi, Kevin. Hello. Hello. Uh, We're going to do a little dialogue. Kevin, uh, will you read the part of Arabella? And I will I will read the narrator and I will read Jude. So right now, basically, Jude and Arabella are married. They've just killed a pig which it has come to symbolize essentially the, the pig is their marriage. Their, their marriage oh. is falling apart. Oh, it is okay. a, it's a disaster. Oh, my God. And, and so now Jude is just coming home from work. And I'll, I'll start with some narration. This made his arrival home rather late. Arabella, however, was busy melting down <laughs> lard. <laughs> yeah, it's sexy. From fat of the de- <laughs> deceased pig, for she had been out on a jaunt all day and so delayed her work. Dreading lest what he had heard should lead him to say something regrettable to her, he spoke little. But Arabella was very talkative and said, among other things, that she wanted some money. Seeing the book sticking out of his pocket, she added that he ought to earn more. And then Jude says... An apprentice's wages are not meant to be enough to keep a wife on as a rule, my dear. Then you shouldn't have had one. <laughs> <laughs> Come on.
come, Arabella. That's too bad when you know how it came about. And you know how it came, Kevin, it came about because she got pregnant. He knocked her up. Oh, my God. I know. Uh, oh, uh, <clears throat> I'll declare a for heaven that I thought what I told you was true. Dr. Vilbert thought so. It was a good job for you that it wasn't so. I don't mean that, he said hastily. I mean, before that time, I know it was not your fault, but those women friends of yours gave you bad advice. They said, get knocked up. If they hadn't, or you hadn't taken it, we should at this moment have been free from a bond which, not to mince matters, galls both of us devilishly. It may be very sad, but it is true. Who's been telling you about my friends? What advice I insist upon you telling me? Pooh, I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the dissolution of their marriage, Kevin. This isn't, he, I mean, yeah, he says pooh, but that's, those are strong words for Jude. No, okay, okay. Uh, but you shall, you ought to. It is mean of E not to. Very well. And he hinted, Gently, what had been revealed to him, but I don't wish to dwell upon it. Let us say no more about it. Arabella's defensive manner has collapsed. That was nothing, she said, laughing coldly. Every woman has a right to do such as that. The risk is hers. I quite deny it, Bella. She might, if no lifelong penalty attached to it for the man, meaning... Uh, like, yeah, that might be so if you weren't sticking me with a fucking kid for oh the rest my of my life. But she, he's not acknowledging that she also has the penalty of a child. Oh, yeah. Uh, or in his default for herself. Oh, yeah, he, he does just say that. Yeah, for herself, the lifelong penalty. If the weakness of the moment could end with the moment or even with the year, but when effects stretch so far, she should not go and do that which entraps a man if he is honest or herself if he is otherwise. What ought I to have done? <laughs> <laughs> Given me time. Why do you fuss yourself about melting down that pig's fat tonight? Please, put it away. Then I must do it tomorrow morning. It won't keep. Very well, do. And that is the end of uh, that little section. So you see, wow. Kevin, things are really heating falling. up. Yeah, they're, they're falling over. They're heating up literally and mm -hmm. metaphorically because she's, you know, she's making pig lard. And he's confronting her and he's saying, look, you purposely got yourself knocked up. So he thinks, uh, or, or, or perhaps he knows... She did not. Maybe she. He knows she's faking it. It's 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 a real mess. I just hope we find out how the pig lard turned out. Oh, I suspect we will. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. That was very helpful. Uh, I really, I really think it added a whole new dimension to the reading for people. Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin Allison. Dear listeners, we'll be back in a moment on Obscure. Uh, hi, friends. You know, you know what I like almost as much as classic literature from the 19th century? Movies, right? Who doesn't love a movie? Funny movies, a good rom-com now and again, and of course, scary movies. Now, if you are obsessed with Friday the 13th and that whole series, then there is a new podcast just for you. And it's called In Voorhees We Trust with Gourley and Rust. In this series, 
Matt Gourley, who you probably know from uh, Super Ego and Drunk History, and Paul Rust from Love on Netflix, will watch all 12 films in the Friday the 13th horror franchise. Guys, I didn't even know there were 12 films. And even just reading this ad, it's making me want to listen to all of them and the, in, in the hopes that there will be a 13th so that there can be a Friday the 13th, the 13th titled movie. Follow them on their scarifying journey from Camp Crystal Lake to Manhattan to outer space and beyond. In Voorhees, we trust with Gourley and Rust is out now on Stitcher Premium. You can take advantage of Stitcher Premium's Labor Day sale going on now through September 7th with 30% off your first purchase. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash Voorhees, V-O-O-R-H-E-E-S, and use promo code LABOR for 30% off Stitcher Premium. Hi, welcome back to Obscure, and we were just going through a bit of a heated conversation between Jude and Arabella. Kevin really brought Arabella to life. I mean, what a performance. But what should we make of that exchange? Look, every woman has a right to try to seduce a dude and then try to get knocked up because if he if he marries her, great. But if he doesn't, like she's stuck with this baby. But it doesn't occur to her that the better course of action might be to just be honest and be responsible and not try to trick somebody, but to just have the course of human events unfold as they will. Now, in Arabella's defense, and I know almost nothing, as you know, I have claimed to be and maintained that I am a legitimate idiot. But what I know about 19th century literature, in particular women from that time period, is they have very few prospects themselves, right? I mean, what are they going to do? She's a pig farmer. She's got nothing. She is fighting for survival in the same way that he was fighting for and continues to fight for survival. His plan was to read up and go to Christminster. But what is she going to do? She can't become a priest. So she's got these Creole parents who are like, hey, Arabella, you gotta, you gotta mix up some of that gumbo. And that's her only option. Her only option is to use her sex essentially as a weapon. She has to weaponize her vagina to get somebody to marry her. That's what she thinks. There are other ways to do it, of course, which is to meet somebody and actually fall in love and develop a real relationship with him. But that is so risky because what if she doesn't meet somebody? So she sees Jude walking along the road while she is in, up to her elbows in pig entrails. And she thinks, well, that's a cute guy. And she throws the pig entrails at him. And then a few months later, they're marrying because she has told them she's knocked up. And she's saying, I have every right to do that. And in a sense, it's hard to argue with her. For her, her obscurity really could be a matter of life and death. If she doesn't get a husband, if she is not able to secure her own position in this world, Things could be very dire for her indeed, and she needs the support of a man in Thomas Hardy's England. So we can all agree that she's a terrible human being. But when we look at it from the other side, maybe we go, well, at least we understand her motivation. But why does she have to be such a bee about it? And with that, we've reached the end of chapter 10. It's a curious place to end. 
uh, just kind of arguing about pig fat. Jude and Arabella are both living in a kind of dark purgatory out in the boonies with the blood of the dead pig still splattered in the snow. What comes next? They are childless. The phone is ringing, which is how we began. And so it will be how we end. What will happen? Who will call out to Jude? You see what I'm doing? I'm incorporating. Who will call out to Jude? Will his Christian faith be further tested? What will they do with the Lord? What's next for Jude and Arabella? Find out next time on another exciting episode of Obscure. My name is Michael Ian Black, your reader, your host, and of course, your friend. Until next time, adieu. Obscure is brought to you by Earwolf. To subscribe and get more information, visit our show page at Earwolf.com. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can talk to us at Obscure with Michael Ian Black at gmail.com. Obscure is produced by Jennifer Brennan, Mary Shimkin, and Robin Lynn, who also mixed and edited today's show with music composed by Craig Wedren. Special thanks to everyone at Earwolf, especially Chris Bannon, Colin Anderson, and the Earwolf engineer team of Brett Morris, Sam Kiefer, and Ryan Connor from the wilds of Connecticut. I'm Michael Ian Black. This is Tony Rodriguez. This is Carlos Santos. This is Riza Licea. And this is Oscar Montoya. When our powers combine, we are Spanish Aquí Presents. We have a brand new podcast here on Earwolf, bringing you the best of the best of lo mejor of the Latinx comedy. Join us every Tuesday as we chat about what's going on in our lives, Latinx culture, and ¿qué es lo que? Lo que no está picando. Lo que te pica. Don't worry, we'll tell you what that means if you listen. We'll also be joined by a new guest every single week. We'll get to know a little bit more about their lives. Every single week. Uh-huh. And then we'll make them sit back and watch us improvise their lives right back to them. Improvisation. <laughs> Spanish Aki Presents premieres July 16th. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Hola, Nesea. Spanish Aki Presents.